0: American soccer fans, welcome to episode 84 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the game of soccer in America. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of the World Cup where your United States men's national team has qualified for the round of 16. We will obviously discuss how we've gotten to this point for the United States and everything else that has happened so far at this World Cup. As we record on November 30th, 2022, I must make note of two significant things that have happened today. One, 40 years ago, the biggest story in the world. Thriller was released 40 years ago today. So if you are a fan like me of Michael Jackson's Thriller, go ahead and listen to that album today because it is necessary to do that anytime it is November 30th. And on a much lesser note, for me, I also was born 40 years ago today, the same day as Thriller, happy birthday to me. Yes, that was a little bit of a shout towards me, uh, but you only turned 40 once. And so I wanted to recognize uh, that. So having said that, the great thing about being at this time of year is that the World Cup is upon us. We have gotten through the group stage for the United States men's national team. So we will start right there. The United States men's national team was drawn into Group B, as we all know, against Wales, England, and Iran. And entering the tournament, there was a lot of speculation about how these teams would do against each other, because all four teams are ranked in the top 20 in the world, according to the FIFA world rankings. Now, a lot of people have said that this is not the group of death. I have always contended that this was the group of death only because four of the teams in the top 20 are in the same group and only two can advance to the round of 16. That happens to be where the United States starts. And they started off back on November 21st at Ahmad Ben Ali stadium against Wales and entering that game everyone wanted the win and it felt like in the first half of that game at least to me in the stands that was the best i've seen a us team play in years this group was gelled they were ready for the moment they were you know the youngest team in the tournament the youngest you know starting 11 in the tournament they didn't shy away from the lights these guys went right at Wales and it worked out in the first half with that goal by Timo Weah, the the first goal for the U.S. in this World Cup. And the issue with Wales, uh, at least that game, is that Wales obviously adjusted at halftime. And the United States, it felt like they didn't. And they came out looking a lot different than the team we saw in the first half of that match. They eventually obviously got the penalty that Gareth Bale converted. And shout out to Matt Turner because Matt Turner got two paws on it and it still went in, and that's just because of how hard Gareth Bale took that shot, and it just rocketed off his hands into the net, but uh, to the the only goal that Matt Turner has allowed was that penalty kick to Gareth Bale in the second half against Wales. The last 10 minutes or so, Wales was pushing, Wales was pushing. We had one, where, one moment where Gareth Bale had an empty goal, essentially, and Kellen Acosta had probably the most professional foul that I've ever seen. And it saved the game for the United States. It eventually ends one to one. But for a lot of us in the stands, and I'm sure a lot of you at home that weren't at the game, it was one point that is awesome at the World Cup. You can always take one point and go with that, but it felt like we lost two uh in that and that we should have closed out the game. We you know, the bad penalty by you know, the bad foul by Walkers are meant to cost the penalty was among his, you know, lone mistakes of the game. But For me, it felt like it left a sour taste in our mouth because we thought that we should have had three points. We only leave with one. But what it meant was entering the second game against England that we knew that we couldn't advance. We also knew we couldn't be eliminated, and it made it where that game had a lot more uh, importance. Obviously, U.S. versus England is always something that whenever it strikes everyone in this country who likes soccer, doesn't like soccer, they all tune in. And sure enough, they did. The largest TV audience to ever watch a men's soccer game in the United States of America was that game against England on November 25th, which took place at Albate Stadium. I will tell you this, from every English person who was in the stands, who was in Doha, who came up to us, every single one of them said that we should have won that game, that we outplayed the English that the English were not ready for our physicality, they were not re- ready for our creativity, and they were not ready for our guys to just not quit. You know, England entered that game with three points. They had beaten Iran 6-2, to two, and they were kind of feeling cocky. They felt like they have a team that could go for it all. And surely, it's, it's arguably the most recognizable roster on the planet. Everyone knows who these guys are. But what was great about that is that they were kind of humbled in that game. And sure, they had their chances. The United States had some chances. But they played... The United States played extremely well in that game. The young guys, again, showed up. They were ready to play. Tim Ream put in another shift. And we'll talk about him in a minute. Tyler Adams put in a shift. We'll talk about him, obviously, as the captain of this team. And honestly, again, we had our chances. We could have converted on a few of them. We should have converted on some of them. And in the end the United States walk out of there with a zero zero draw, but that feels like a win. And it was kind of the opposite feeling that you had after the Wales game where it was a win, a a draw that felt like a loss or at least felt like you lost two points. And this time it was a draw that felt like a win. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I saw a lot of headlines the next day that said USA wins zero to zero. That was trending. So I, I think for that game, the United States can use that for confidence and Obviously, just like in 2010, it set up a final match day where they needed to win to get out of the group. Now, that kind of plays into our hands in a way because, you know, backs against the wall. That's where kind of that, that American spirit comes out, that, that you know, that never give up spirit. And entering Iran, there was obviously a lot of stuff around the geopolitics. Uh, we'll talk about, you could talk about the U.S., uh, soccer federation and what they did on social media regarding the iran flag and and just changing the emblem and how that you know started kind of a a geopolitical you know discussion there's a lot around that game surrounding it and honestly on the field it felt like both teams were just trying to play soccer to win for their team and Entering that game, again, the United States, it was very clear what they needed to do. If they won, they were going into the next round. If they lost or drew, they were going home. And with that pressure, we saw Christian Pulisic, who has been the star of the team and one that everyone uh, in this country at least recognizes as the face of this team or one of the faces of this team, I should say. He stepped up and he gave his body up in a big way. Um, I know he's going to be singing falsetto for a couple of days, but it has been diagnosed as a pelvic contusion. He got that while scoring the lone goal against Iran that eventually served as the game winner. Iran had a couple of chances to put it away. We had one uh, where Tim Weiss scored, uh, but it was called back due to him being barely offside. In the heat of the moment, I didn't think it was offside, but with this automated VAR, it showed that his you know, right shoulder and and torso were offside just slightly leading up to that goal, but the U S had their chances. They were able to convert one, but they had several other chances that they could have converted. That has been kind of the, the story of this team so far, who was going to provide the goals, but having gone unbeaten in the group stage, two draws, one win, the United States on five points, they qualify for the round of 16 and Honestly, that is what the accomplishment was. That was the goal. The goal was not just to come to the World Cup and have a good showing. the goal was to get out of the group and then do some damage. It's a two-part goal. Now, once for me, once you get out of the group and you get to the knockout stage, everyone's playing with house money. You can show up and on any given day, you can beat whoever's in front of you. And our team has showed that they can go toe-to-toe with anybody on the planet. And now they get a chance to do that. They will move to the round 16. Well, there will take on... The Netherlands, that will be on Saturday morning, December 3rd, 10 a.m. in the East Coast, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, and that game will be on Big Fox. So everyone should be able to watch this game, whether they're waking up early or waking up super early, they will be able to watch this game and watch this team who have kind of, you know, with that win against Iran, with that play, with their play against England, and just their overall play throughout the group stage, have really started to convert a lot of people into thinking, hey, this team might be able to do something now and not wait for four years from now when we host the World Cup in 2026. So I I stop there just to kind of move on to the best players for me in the group stage. And I know some of you guys have players that may differ from this particular list, but there were some that having been in the stands for two of these games, I want to shout out because I think they have done a tremendous job. I start with Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams has been the captain of this team. He was voted the captain. Once they all convened for the World Cup and he has been just absolutely incredible. He has arguably been the best player on the field for either team in any match. And that is saying something. He has been just balls out to the wall going so aggressive into tackles. He has just absolutely been phenomenal with his aerials. There was one game where he had 100% in tackles, 100% on aerials. Also commanding this team and being the leader on the field, quarterbacking the defense, and also trying to trying to kickstart the offense, he has been tremendous. And so I want to shout him out first because I think he has done absolutely a great job, and I think he's been probably the best player on this team so far. The second person that I think has put in three shifts, three incredible shifts, has been Tim Reed. Tim Ream is a guy that two months ago would not have made this roster, period. And now this man has started three games against three of the top 20 teams in the world and has been the linchpin on defense. In fact, we all thought that Walker Zimmerman was that linchpin. Walker Zimmerman did not start the game against the but Tim Ream did. That's how good Tim Ream has been in these games so far. And he has he so, so proud of the effort that he's put forth. And that is called making the most of your opportunity. He has made it to the World Cup, and now he is shining on the brightest stage. I know a lot of teams are going to be looking to see what this 35-year-old can do for them once this World Cup is done. Moving on, staying on the defensive side, Matt Turner has been great. Again, the only goal that he's given up has been a penalty kick to Gareth Bale, of which, like I said, he got two hands on. And it was just super hard, and he couldn't get get it all the way. But he has been very, very good in goalkeeper. Yeah, there's been a, maybe a moment or two where it's been kind of shaky playing out of the back, but for the most part, Matt Turner has been stellar, uh, stopping shots and also keeping the defense intact. Where it's a bend don't break the uh, mentality. They have only given up the lone PK in the group stage. Christian Pulisic has been. Awesome. I think he was a little uh, shaky on corners in the first game. The second game, I thought he was one of the best players on the field. He won the FIFA man of the match. I thought it should have been Tyler Adams, but I'm not necessarily upset that Christian Pulisic got that award because against England, he was incredible. I think his corners have been the best we've seen. There's been a lot of debate about whether or not he should be the guy taking the corners, and that's a debate we'll save for another day. But I think at least for, you know, against England, his corners were the best that we've seen from him in a U.S. men's national team uniform. He obviously scored the goal against Iran that served to be the game winner, and in the process gave up his body uh, to do so. I mean, he he has a pelvic contusion. He says he'll be ready for Saturday. The team says he'll be ready for Saturday, and all of his fans hope he will be ready for Saturday because we're going to need him against the Netherlands. And then finally, Josh Sargent, I thought did great against Iran. He also reportedly picked up an injury. And it's a question of whether he will be ready for the round of 16. But in a world where we've been trying to figure out who this nine is going to be, I thought he played the best of the guys who were in at the nine during the group stage, especially against the His His up play, I thought was great. And also being able to create open spaces for him to get into attacking positions and also for his teammates to be able to get into attacking positions and score. The way he's been playing with his teammates has been awesome. And then finally, Tim Wea. Tim Wea has been great on the right side. I, I think getting back on defense, he's been gassed so, you know, in the last few minutes. We haven't seen Gio Rana in these a lot other than a few minutes against England. That's obviously going to be a question mark, but we thought that the whole right side was going to be a combination of Gio Rana and Tim Wea. Tim Wea has taken that position so far in this World Cup. He scored the first goal against Wales. He almost uh, he almost scored another one against Iran. He's contributed to a lot of goals, or at least to a lot of scoring chances lately, and his play has been very good, especially on offense. I think a lot of people will say that there are question marks still about him on the defensive end, and that's fair, but I think at least for offense, when we're trying to create some attack, he has been one of the guys who have jump-started the attack for the United States. So those are the guys that I think have done at least the best so far in this World Cup group stage for the United States men's national team. Again, they have qualified for the Round of 16. They go to Khalifa International Stadium on Saturday. They will take on the Netherlands, who finished first in Group A. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. When we get back, we are going to talk about the rest of the World Cup. All these teams, who's in so far, who is on the outside looking in, and what do we get to expect from the United States and their current path to a potential world cup type stick around all right ladies and gentlemen we are talking about the world cup here we've talked about the united states and their group stage let's talk now about everyone else as I mentioned, we are not yet through the entire group stage. We still have a couple of more days to go in the group stage. E, F, G, and H, all of those groups have yet to complete play. They will do so in the, ne- in the next couple of days. But let's talk about the teams that are in so far, beginning with Group A. Group A, Netherlands wins the group. They had to struggle a little bit, but they eventually win it pretty handily. Senegal finished in second place over Ecuador in an epic final game between those two teams. Senegal, Ecuador scoring basically within a couple minutes of each other. Senegal pulling out the victory and getting past Ecuador to advance to the next round of the round of 16. Qatar, I should mention, was eliminated uh, as the host. They are the earliest hosts to ever be eliminated in a World Cup. It only took them two games to be eliminated from this World Cup. Only two hosts in World Cup history have ever failed to make it out of the group stage. The only other team being South Africa in 2010. But South Africa in 2010 did register a victory on their final match day. Qatar did not. They are the only host to not register a win while hosting the World Cup. Moving on to Group B, we've talked about, obviously, the United States, but the other team to make it out. uh, The team uh, is England. And England, they ended up winning the group because of their win over Wales. Uh, again, the U.S. advances, and Iran and Wales will be the teams that are going home. In Group C, which literally just ended a few minutes before I started recording here, Argentina wins the group in a wild last set of matches. Poland advances by one in goal differential over Mexico and Saudi Arabia, who beat Argentina in the first in their first game in one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history will head home in last place. Very unfortunate for Saudi Arabia that they are going home after that epic, monumental upset. I mean, again, one of the ones that they are calling one of the greatest upsets of all time. An upset so big that each team, each player on the team got Rolls Royces and they declared a national holiday for the team and for the country after that victory. Uh, they weren't able to register another victory in the group stage, unfortunately. But that last set of games, Argentina scoring goals against Poland, Mexico scoring goals against Saudi Arabia. Mexico needed one more goal to get out of the group and make it in second place. They do not get that final goal. Also, Messi on the other hand, on the other side, Messi with a dubious penalty call. It was on VAR. It did look like it was a penalty, but they call it one. Chesney, Poland's keeper, stops the PK, and that PK is what kept. Mexico out of the round of 16. Now, it also meant that it could have gone down to uh, all of the tiebreakers except for fair play, and Poland had five yellow cards. Mexico had seven. So Poland was playing like they were going to advance, and they almost don't because if Mexico gets one more goal in the final seconds of this game, they go through and Poland goes home. But it's the opposite. Argentina wins the group. Poland advances. They will be second and they move on from Group C. And at Group D, which was also today, as we record again on November 30th, France wins the group. They end up losing their final match to Tunisia, but Australia finishes second. They beat Denmark, who finishes last. And Australia, for the first time since 2006, and only the second time ever, will see a round of 16 matchup. They advance out of the group. So congratulations to the Socceroos. For those of you keeping at home, that is two teams that are soccer teams that advance the round 16. It's called soccer. It's It's been the theme of this World Cup. Uh, England fans had to uh, had to kind of eat, eat some crow and call it soccer uh, after they played us. And now two soccer teams have made it to the next round. So call it what you will, but those teams, I mean, Australia played extremely well with a team that a lot of people did not think would have the chance to box with France and Denmark and even Tunisia. But they eventually make it a second out of that group in group D and will advance to the round 16. Congratulations to them. Again, we don't know all of the teams that have advanced to the round of 16, but we do know that Brazil and Portugal will be in the round of 16. They both have already qualified after two matches in Canada is the lone team left that knows that they are going home after their third game. They have lost their first two matches in group F one to Belgium and one to Croatia Now they will play the last game for Pride and go back to Canada. So when it comes to CONCACAF, so far, only the United States have qualified for Round 16. Costa Rica is the lone CONCACAF team left that has some hope of getting out of the Round 16. So it's been kind of difficult for CONCACAF, though they haven't really given them that many goals. They just haven't scored that many as well, and that has been the issue for Uh, at least for Mexico until this final day and for Canada, not being able to put balls into the net. So back to the United States, as we close out, here's the current path that we know. Again, the United States will take on the Netherlands in the round of 16, that match again, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on the East coast, 7 a.m. on the West coast. It will be at Khalifa international stadium. If you are in Qatar, if they win that match, they will face the winner of Argentina and Australia, in the quarterfinals. That will be on Friday, December 9th. That will be at Lucille Iconic Stadium, 2 p.m. in the East, 11 a.m. in the West. But we're not worried about that game yet. All eyes are on that match Saturday morning. So get to your bar. Invite the crew over to the house. Find the best place to watch your game. Wear your lucky jersey. Whatever you need to do as we cheer on the boys to victory. But for now, that will do it for episode 84 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, we would be eternally grateful. Five-star ratings and reviews are especially appreciated. If you have questions about the World Cup or topic suggestions, send them to me, ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. That will do it for now. Again, we will be back very soon to preview that Netherlands game and just to talk about the vibe that was the World Cup being there. So until next time, take care.